time for the Retirement Roadmap Podcast with registered financial consultant, Glenn Mosseller. Well, thanks for joining us for another edition of the Retirement Roadmap Podcast. Walter Storholt here alongside Glenn Mosseller, registered financial consultant and the founder and president of Roadmap Financial Consulting with an office in Greensboro on Mears Chapel Road. You can find him online by going to greensbororetirement.com. And on today's show, we're talking about how much cash is a good idea. Well, I'd say a lot, Glenn. What do you think? <laughs> well, you know, cash is always a good thing, right? You know, the question is, is you know, is in, in terms of the overall strategy, you know, it's like, you know, how much should you have sitting there? And, um, you know, in cash and ready reserve, um, you know, different people are going to have different answers, but, um, you know, and, and different, there's going to be different strategies to employ depending upon, you know, what certain objectives are, time horizons and, and all those different things that we've we've talked about many times, Walter. Yeah, you, you set it up well there, Glenn. Uh, obviously, you know, yeah, cash is, is great. There's a reason there's the term cash is king, of course, uh, but we all want a healthy bank account. That goes without saying, but it's a little bit more of a conversation about balance. You know, we all want to have some money on hand to you know, react to emergencies, uh, maybe get some medium-sized purchases quickly without having to liquidate a bunch of assets, all that kind of stuff. But is it counterproductive to have too much cash on hand? And how often are we seeing that being a problem with folks? So we're going to press Glenn on a couple of these questions today as we really do a whole episode today talking all about the ins and outs of cash in retirement how much is appropriate and all those kinds of things. So what are some possible uses of cash, Glenn, that make it good to have a sufficient amount on hand? I mean, emergency fund, I guess, is the obvious one that comes to mind, right? Well, sure. I mean, Walter, I mean, you're going to want to have an emergency fund that you, uh, you know, you know, and at least access to capital, right? I mean, you know, depending upon your situation, you might, you, there, you know, you might have some, you know, alternative that you can reach into. But the, the idea is, is for an emergency fund is just that it's like having access that is not subject to volatilities and ups and downs and whatnot. And you want to be able to, you know, to reach in and be able to, you know, take care of emergencies, you know, easily and without risk of having to you know, take that distribution out of that account at an inopportune time. Um, that's, you know, number one, you know, and then beyond that, you know, there might be maybe some, maybe there's, there's some planned expenses, right? I mean, maybe you have, you know, that maybe there's a roof you're going to put on, or, you know, maybe there's, um, gonna, you're going to buy a car or, you know, there's, there's something that you're going to do for one of your kids or grandkids, or maybe there's going to be a big trip or something like that. I mean, certainly again, you know, it's, it's the idea is, is that you want to have access to that money in order to do what you, what you need to do in such a way that, 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 you know, when you take money from the account that it's sitting in, that it's not going to create, you know, a scenario where you've you, you've had to take a somewhat of a loss because the value of the account was down when you took the distribution or when you you know when you took that money out. Does that make sense? Yeah, I think that makes sense and uh, a pretty obvious, I think, uh, result there. You want to have that money on hand to handle all of those different moving parts. But you know, people, I think, will counteract to that, Glenn, and say, "All right, well, let me just have a whole bunch because." Hey, I, I, why do three-month emergency fund or six-month emergency fund? I'm going to go for a year emergency fund. Plus, I want to plan for funding all of these other things in retirement. So, you know, I'm going to have a whole bunch of cash on hand. Why might it be right. productive to have too much cash? And is there such a thing? 
Well, I mean, it can be, Walter. I mean, you know, again, it all depends on the particular situation. You know, I never want to make those blanket statements that everybody should do this because it's that's a very rare thing. You know, I mean, everybody's everybody's got a little bit different scenario and, um, and different goals and objectives and so forth. So. But yeah, I mean, there there can certainly be scenarios where there's too much cash. Basically, one of the things you have to think about is is you know what kind of uh, interest is the bank paying? If you have money sitting in cash, you know it's at this point in time. I mean, the interest rates are in unbelievably low. You know, and, and that's not news to anybody, right? That you know we're at historically low levels of interest rates, and so you know when we start thinking about that and we put that against you know what what inflation's doing, it, well, now we're not in like runaway inflation like we were in, you know, maybe the late 70s and early 80s or anything like that. But it's still, you know, inflation exists, you know, and, you know, depending upon who you talk to and what measure you're looking at, you know, it's probably running somewhere between two and three percent a year. And so, you know, if you have lots and lots and lots of money sitting there making maybe one percent or less and and inflation and, you know, which is a measurement of your buying power, you know, and inflation and things of the cost of goods and services that you're going to be purchasing, you know, are rising at two to three percent a year and you're and you're making you know less than one percent well then you're you're you know you may not be losing principal but you're losing buying power and so you're 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 kind of moving backwards you know you know and kind of almost like a stealth tax is kind of how we kind of look at you know uh, inflation and how it affects you and, and your accounts you know and and that kind of thing we've got to be really we've got to be cognizant of you know we want to have appropriate levels of cash or you know or access to capital that's liquid and easy to you know to get to but we don't want to have too much that's just sitting there that's not making you know that's not doing anything for us it's not making any interest it's not creating any benefits for us so we got to we just got to be aware of you know what's going to be the right amount and that comes through planning and and having a conversation and seeing and sometimes you might have you know a number of projects and so you you might have a little bit more cash in you know in, in a particular time frame because there's more things that you're going to do in the short run than maybe you might have you know a few years from now you know it, it's not necessarily a stagnant number I mean a lot of times folks start to think about well I should have this much in cash at all times and maybe that's true but you know but that might be the minimum level of cash and then there might be you know beyond that you know given the particular situation if you've got extra expenses that you're planning on doing or or those kinds of things things, well, maybe you have a, an extra amount of cash for a period of time for certain particular reasons. And then after that, and after those expenses, you know, you know you've made them and you've, and you've done the things that you're going to do, maybe then it kind of comes back to your kind of your base level of, of comfort or you know, your emergency fund. Does that make sense, Walter? It does make sense. And as we talk about cash and the ups and downs of having too much or too little, obviously, it leads you to that discussion of how much truly is appropriate. If somebody's sitting across from you, Glenn, how do you normally answer that that question? Hey, what's appropriate for me? Where do you, where do you begin? How do you kind of drill into the right answer for a particular person? Right. Well, I mean, Walter, you, you know, first thing, one of the first places you start is, is, you know, you know, what are, what are your monthly expenses look like and what's your monthly cash flow look like? You know, money coming in versus money going out. And, you know, what does that look like? Number one. Number two, and we start asking the questions, you know, do you, do you have a, do you have a certain level of, of cash that, that gives you a comfort level? That's a, you know, that's an important question, you know, and, and if it's an extraordinary amount, then we might have to have further, you know, further conversations. If it, you know, if it's reasonable, within the you know confines of, of their particular situation, then we probably will, you know, just 
let that be as it is. But then, you know, then we delve into, well, you know, do you have some expenses that you're expecting to come up, you know, the, over the next year or so? You know, when, when we think in terms of a lot, a lot of times when I'm talking to folks and, and we're planning, we, you know, I like to think in terms of how we segment the money and how we, you know, sometimes it's easier to think about it, you know, a bucket of money because that's easy. That's an easy thing to, you know, to visualize. And, you know, so I think in terms of, you know, one of the sets of buckets that we look at is this time segments, right? So if we have a now bucket, the things that we need to have money for over the next 12 months, if there's a lot of things that we're going to need in the next year, then we're probably going to have a little bit more extra cash sitting in that bucket so that we know that we can cover those things, right? Then we have a soon bucket, which is, you know, you know, what are we going to need over the next 10 years or so? You know, and so we might position those dollars, you know, with, you know, with certain financial products or certain investments and whatnot. And that's going to be a little bit different than maybe the, you know, the now bucket. Now it's still, you know, with a soon bucket, we're still going to have a certain amount of, you know, a conservative nature to it. Because, you know, if we're going to draw something out in the next year, two or three or four or five, something like that, you know, again, we, you know, markets go up and down we want to we want to make sure that our withdrawals are not going to be subject to too much volatility and then we've got you know the later bucket or you know maybe 10 years or more away well then you know that that money can be positioned a little bit differently you know yet still because that's that's pretty far out that's longer you know much longer term money and so we're not worried as, as much about that money in terms of the overall volatilities of the markets and you know and, and you know the withdrawal risk you know that, that might exist with something that's 10 years or more away you with me Walter Oh, I'm with you, and and definitely understand. I think it's all a uh, an important conversation to have to try and find the right answer to this. But I know that it can be difficult for some people to get comfortable with that answer. I would imagine. Um, what, 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 let's go back to the root of the problem, Glenn. Why do so many people sometimes end up with more money sitting in cash than they should? Is it fear? Is that the motivating factor, or just a, a lack of knowledge? Well, sometimes, sometimes it's that, Walter. You know, I mean, sometimes it's a scenario where where folks are um, they're pretty conservative in the way they spend money, right? And you know, they you know they don't they don't have maybe they've paid off their house, they're in retirement, they don't have a lot of you know overhead, so to speak, right? I mean, they have their normal, you know, hey, we got to go get groceries, we have the you know we have the you know electric bill, the gas bill, you know, we have our just our normal things, but they they don't have they don't have you know really large expenses anymore, you know, most of that's gone, and maybe they have a pension or you know maybe they have a large IRA and they've already started taking those required minimum distributions, and they're having more income than they need. Then, you know, to cover their, you know, their, their everyday or their every month expenses. And so then it just starts to build up in an account, you know, that, that happens more often than you might think, you know, I mean, <laughs> the funny thing is, is most of the time when, when people have been good savers, they've been good savers because they don't, you know, they're, they're pretty vigilant about, you know, protecting the money from spending unnecessarily. And so they, they're just naturally good savers. And so when they have extra money that, 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 you know, that's there, they tend to just, you know, they just set it aside and they put it in the bank account or to savings and you know sometimes that you know that account starts to build up more and more over time and suddenly they, there's, a, there's a whole lot of money there that's just sitting there that's not doing a lot of work you know on the other side of the coin you know a lot of times it'll happen because you know folks are you know they're frightened because of you know what the markets might do and there's obviously a lot of volatility in today's markets and there's there there's reasons to be cautious about you know how do you have things positioned but again, you have to look at what are all of your options. It's you know, unfortunately, what it, when a lot of people look at things, they look at it, it's like, well, I have to be fully invested in the market, or I have to be out in cash. You know, and there's and there's lots of different you know 
possibilities in between those two extreme positions, right? And, you know, what, the unfortunate thing is, is a lot of times folks, you know, when they, when they come into the retirement years or they're, they're approaching the retirement years, they're not fully aware of all of the options that they have that they have, of how they can position their money um, because, you know, typically most folks are just, you know, they're oriented to what options do they have at the bank, you know, or, or their credit union and what options are there in their 401k. And, you know, and unfortunately, you know, um, or possibly fortunately, depending upon how you're looking at it, you know, I mean, there, there are more options than that. But it's the unfortunate part is, is when people don't realize that there are additional options and, you know, in places and choices that they that they could make, then they end up saying, well, the only thing I can do is this or that. And so then they end up saying, well, you know, I don't want to, you know, subject myself to this much risk. So then they go, you know, ultra conservative and then have something, you know, or a lot large amount of money or, you know, or in a cash or cash equivalent position. And they may be able to have similar levels of, uh, of protection without necessarily having to go to a place where their money is sitting almost stagnant with, with, with the low interest rates we have today. Well, Glenn, maybe to kind of end this conversation a little bit here, uh, take us in this direction. Let's say that you've got a client who's used to having that large amount in the bank. What are some of those alternative investment options that they could use where they could still invest efficiently, but with also out giving themselves a heart attack as they're watching their money go up and down every day in the stock market or something like that? How can we, is there a way to kind of have the best of both worlds still somewhat liquid to be able to access to make us comfortable on that side of things, but without all the risk of the market? There are, Walter. I mean, and a lot of times we end up we end up looking, you know, to, um, you know, there, there are certain things that we could look at in terms of, you know, market types of accounts. But but a lot of times we end up, you know, taking a look at maybe some insurance options, you know, and and, um, you know, oftentimes when folks hear the word insurance, they think, oh, well, gosh, that means that I'm going to, you know, that, that I'm going to be in this annuity or you're going to, you know, be in life insurance or this or that. And that's possible. But, you know, the, you know, the, when you start thinking about it and you start looking at what, you know, what are the options there, you know, when you're, when you're thinking about, you know, positioning a portion of your money and if you know that you want it to be protected from markets ups and downs and, you know, it's money that you don't necessarily need immediately, it's worthwhile taking a look at, at you know, some of the choices that are there. Because there, there are there are there are some options out there that you know you could make you know three four five six percent you know on, on average you know on, on an annual basis without really subjecting yourself to market downturns you know and when I tell folks that oftentimes they're surprised they say well you know I, I need to learn more about that because you know that's not my, my experience and that's not what I've really heard and you know so you know let's find out more about that and there's no such thing as a silver bullet I mean there's pros and cons to virtually anything that you would look at but you, you know the, as I tell folks it's like you don't know what you don't know, and if you don't know what your choices are, then it's, it's probably a good idea to find out what your choices are. And then if you say yes or you say no, at least you know what you're saying yes or no to, rather than just saying no by default because you don't know what your options are. And so I always suggest to folks, it's like, let's first thing that we have to do, though, is, is we're not going to look for a product solution or an account type of solution until we first know what is your particular situation and what are your needs and desires. That's what drives the drives the ship, so to speak. And, the, and, the, and then after we understand those things, then we start looking to, you know, how do we position the money? And, and that's where, you know, I, I find that, that oftentimes folks will come into my office and they'll say, you know, well, gosh, you know, I've had this experience and I bought this, this or that, you know, from some other advisor and it, it really didn't fit my needs. 
And and so you know you have to be cautious of that because there are all, there are an awful lot of financial salespeople out there that are more than happy to sell you some you know some investment or, or some insurance product that may or may not be in your best interest. So you know as I say, I mean if you're really looking at well what what do you need and what's going to be the best fit for you, you know that should be the driver around the conversation, and it probably should take you know a couple two three four meetings before solutions start flowing to you you know from those consultations from a potential advisor if they're throwing solutions at you you know like in the first meeting or something like that that should be a red flag to be going hmm I mean do they really know what's in my best interest or are they really looking at what is in my best interest or are they just trying to sell me something because it really takes a little bit of time and analysis to determine what's in your best interest and you know and what what how's going to be the best way to position you know this portion of your assets and and how, what is your overall plan look like and is it is it going to serve you and the people you care about long term well if you're hearing all of this and it makes you wonder a little bit of what does my plan look like how can i best be positioned for the future uh do i have some problems when it comes to having too much or too little cash on hand could my portfolio be more efficient that's what the conversation often really is coming down to both one of efficiency and comfort as well what are you comfortable with the emotions do play a part here and that's important to recognize as well then reach out to glenn mosseller if you have some questions about this 336-291-3535 is the number 336-291-3535 you can also go online to greensbororetirement.com click on the free consultation button at the bottom of the page and you can schedule a time to meet right there from your smartphone or computer uh, at a time that's convenient for you just go to greensbororetirement.com look for the free consultation button at the bottom of the page well glenn thanks for the honest conversation here on cash is there such a thing as too much of it and it sounds like there is in terms of uh, the context that we put it in on today's show and some good solutions for how to handle that we'll look forward to another great show with you next time thanks a lot glenn Fantastic, Walter. We'll talk to you soon. Sounds great. That's Glenn. I'm Walter. We'll talk to you next time on the Retirement Roadmap. 